Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. For those who are transgender, often they're born into a body and identified as a sex that doesn't feel right to them. So at particular times in their lives, they, um, you know, maybe it's... Um, you know, later in life, maybe it's in the teenage years, they they come to recognise that that that's not the body or that's not the the gender that they identify with, and so that's a really a difficult life. And I think it's really important to come at this with with empathy and understanding. Um, that's a difficult thing to realise in a society that still does try to fit people into gendered boxes. Um, so for someone to go through that process, um, the process of transitioning, which is a long process and there's many different parts to it and it's different for everybody, um, we've got to re- realise that that's not just because they want to cheat in sport um, or they want to wear a, a pretty dress. This is because gender's been a very challenging and difficult thing in their lives. Um, so I think it's really, really important that when we come to this topic around Laurel and talking about transgender participation in sport more broadly, that we've really got to come at it with empathy because often this is people who, you know, we're talking about people who have had quite difficult lives and society's been a a difficult place to navigate. Well, Laurel's, of course, participating in weightlifting and and most of the arguments against that at the moment, I'm not sure whether they're informed or not. We're still making up our mind, particularly as people in the street, but uh, strength, I mean, weightlifting, aside from the fact that there's technique, heavy lots of technique involved, surely there's raw strength as well. And most people perceive that Laurel Hubbard has got an advantage in strength because she was once a male. Uh, Does that that sort of make sense to you? Uh, Are people right in thinking that? Yeah, I can hear that argument, absolutely. And, and we're going to have to wait and see a little bit, aren't we, um, whether she medals or not. And, and right now she's ranked number seven, so that means there are six um, biologically female athletes lifting more than her. So um, is that an advantage or not? And obviously um, sports like weightlifting, particularly you know, when they're lifting heavy weights, it's a very much a mental sport. Um, and the psychology of that is so critical. The mental side of it, as you, as you pointed out, must be huge for her. What, what she's going to need over there, I would imagine, because of that, uh, is support from her teammates. Absolutely. And I, I thought it was pretty cool when we had um, the announcement of Laurel on the team and the New Zealand Olympic Committee CEO, Karen Smith. You know, she, she really um, she made it very clear the New Zealand Olympic Committee and the team are committed to a strong culture of inclusion and respect for all. So she was really sort of, you know, putting out the lay of the land there that they are a team that respects 
diversity and um, I think that's actually showing some good leadership there and we've seen that, that same sort of sentiment coming from the Prime Minister and Sports Minister Grant Robertson and and as we know more broadly in society we've got it's a pretty polarising argument but we you know there's some there is some good leadership happening in terms of trying to you know, it's a tricky moment, but it's also a teachable moment where we can have these conversations and people who don't know or they might be fearful or they might be really uncomfortable about this whole situation can actually sit and listen and, and, and learn and we can hopefully, you know, do better going forward. So we are largely uninformed about this. There's no doubt about it. And this is, I mean, if basically you talk to people they go really no surely not you know this can't be right it just doesn't seem right to me because we are uneducated about the whole deal of you have you been uh, surprised about the level of debate and, and the fact that it's gone as far as protests in london yeah it's amazing isn't it it's it's so polarizing and it's so emotive but sport is Sport, people are passionate about sport and sport is something that, you know, obviously um, you and me and everyone listening, we're passionate about sport. It's a really important part of our lives. But if we look at the history of sport, you know, it's been very much grounded in the, the gender binary, male and female, right? Two clear categories. And we like to separate that out as, as kids become older, we separate them out. Um, and, and that's always sort of been the structure of most sports. But if we look across society more broadly, whether it's in schools or in workplaces, we're, you know, there's a lot of work going on to try to recognise that gender doesn't actually work in that binary form for everybody and we actually need to you know, rethink our structures, our infrastructure and our policies to actually be more inclusive of those who don't fit into those categories. But when we come to sport, we a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about moving away from a gender binary. And I, I kind of come back to that issue of if we tell athletes like Laurel um, and even those at the community level, transgender participation, if we say, no, you can't participate in the category that you identify in, we're basically saying there's no place for you here. And that, that comes to a big issue around that we should all be thinking about, like, what is the role of sport in society? Should everyone have that right? It's a basic human right, um, according to the United Nations. So if we say, no, not there, then we're saying, actually, no, there's nowhere for you here. And is that really the role of sport in society? Uh, the, uh, the problem is, of course, it's the Olympics. It's not just like a, a local competition or whatever. And, and because <laughs> we only see the Olympics theoretically once every four years, not quite the case with COVID mm. around, but uh, this, mm. is, this has been thrown into the limelight. So, you know, it's becoming a major issue. Can you explain uh, something to me and to the people at home? The Olympic level for testing is 10 nanomoles mm. of t testosterone per one litre of blood. Uh, what, mm. what would the levels be for me? Oh, I don't know, actually. We hardly ever test men. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Um, and, but, I, but I do know this is quite an interesting space because, you know, WADA, um, the World Anti-Doping Agency, they do a lot of that testing, um, you know, regarding doping, etc. and that's usually via um, urine samples. So testing blood samples is a little bit more complicated and I'm not exactly sure about those processes. I'm sure, um, 
I don't think it goes through water. Mm -hmm. I think the International Weightlifting Federation manages that and they'll be um, obviously following um, protocol from the IOC, etc. So, um, yeah, the whole testing processes are not my area of expertise, but, um, yeah, 10 nanomoles for it. And they, and they have to... Um, so athletes like Laurel would need to test below that for at least 12 months prior, which she has. Yeah, well, that's the other thing we should uh, we should emphasise, the fact she's met all the requirements of uh, the Olympic exactly. Committee. Uh, you know, that's exactly. A, she's, not, no. she's not trying to cheat. She's not trying to cheat the system. She's just an athlete who wants to compete, and she's doing so within the rules. And what we're seeing is organisations like the IOC and I, like the International Weightlifting Federation, and we're seeing other international organisations trying to figure out their position on this, but... You know, we're actually trying to do um, the hard work um, to figure out how do we move forward with this. Um, and so we're actually seeing some leadership from some of these international organisations and saying, um, you know, genders are genders, uh, more complicated than a binary. Just finally, uh, just right, right off the top of your head right now, do you believe that Laurel Hubbard gets an advantage in a weightlifting competition? No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think testosterone's the only. Um, I mean, you could look at someone like Ian Thorpe, right? Yep, yep. Amazing swimmer. D does he have an advantage because he ha is tall and has incredibly long feet? Well, uh, obvi I obviously did. I, I think there are physical attributes of athletes that enable them to swim faster, to jump higher. I mean, that is. That is the nature of it, and that's the basis, I think, of this whole argument, is is there a physical advantage which has been done not naturally, I think, is the way, the best way to describe it. It's 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 sort of progressed from one form to another, and that's, I think, uh, Professor, that, that's one of the reasons we can't get our heads around it, because it's such a new <laughs> subject for us. <clears throat> it is. But you know what? We need to keep having the conversation, even when it makes us uncomfortable. And so I applaud you and your audience for having the conversation. And I just think, um, you know, the ways we talk about it um, around the, the water cooler at work or the cafe or around the dinner table is, is really important. Yep. Um, you know, kids are hearing us. Um, uh, those out in the transgender community, they're hearing these conversations. So we do need to just really... Um, be really kind and compassionate in, in the language that we use because, um, you know, it, a, it can really do some damage uh, to the health and well-being of our transgender athletes and yep. the community more widely. And and you never know, you know. <laughs> um, uh, they're, they're, they're part of our community and we need to... Um, you know, they're part of people's families. They're, they're um, in our schools, they're in our communities. So the ways we're, we're having these conversations, we just need to come back, you know, keep, keep um, that in mind and keep trying to be compassionate.
Yep, and one of them is very proudly going to wear the silver fern very shortly for us on our behalf. So, hey, listen, Professor, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. I asked for, to be educated about it, and you really have done that for me, and I hope so for the people listening in this morning as well. So uh, we'll all uh, watch with bated breath how Laurel goes. I think there's still more debate to be had about the subject, um, but thank you in the meantime for, for, for making us better off about it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.